and we're live. Nice. Sweet. We are here. We are here after many technical difficulties. All right. Let me really go ahead and share this. And snares. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I promise you guys we would have been on time if the BeLive app wasn't cutting the fool on it. Yeah, the BeLive app was acting, acting kind of weird. I don't know what happened. It's like you, you, you give them your money to upgrade the plan, and then they're like, all right, we'll just uh, not work <laughs> for you. you know what, the, the devil don't See, want to talk about this. The devil don't want us to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> the, de- the devil. The like, devil. No, it's anointed. You know, the devil don't want uh, to <laughs> Hey, and don't um, mess with us. We don't figure out how to move this screen around, too. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're dangerous now. We're dangerous now. The switcheroo stuff, technology. We are dangerous now. Hold on, let me share this to some folks. There it is again. Um. All right. All right, fellas. Gonna be fun. Let me. Gonna be fun. This is gonna be a good one. Sometime if the B Live app wasn't good. <laughs> hey, right. And don't mess with us. We figured out how to move this screen around too. No. All right, fellas. All right, cool. All right, y'all ready? Let's do this. So um yeah, man. I, tonight we're having an awesome conversation uh about judgment and love. Um I think it's a very necessary discussion for millennials to have because um, I think we're given a bad rap in some cases, but then in other cases, maybe it's well-deserved. But when it comes down to the church, there's just always this, this conversation as it pertains to church of church people being judgmental. You guys are judgmental. Church is judgmental. And I think that a lot of times when it comes down to cultural fads or common sayings um, that over time we start saying things and we start to lose definition. Yeah. And yeah. the more definition we lose, we start to kind of generalize and paint that on everybody. And everybody doesn't necessarily fit into that box. Mm-hmm. To the point that I think to some degree, now church is being judged for judgment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, tonight's discussion, um, my, my hope is that we can maybe give um, some definition to what do we mean when we say love? What do yeah. we mean when we say judgment? Because mm-hmm. um, I think in many cases, without, well, like, just without the definition, you don't really know what you're just to be straight up, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's my fear for a lot of people is maybe what we're calling judgment is a judgment, mm-hmm. or maybe what we're calling love isn't love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So okay. um, that's kind of where what my my thought process towards this conversation. Um, what what about you guys? Where where do you kind of fit in there? If we were to kind of give uh, opening remarks. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really agree with, you know, everything that um, sometimes what we call judgment um, isn't judgment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's 
sometimes it can honestly uh, be translated as accountability. Yeah, sometimes. for sure. Uh, not always somebody's out to somebody's out to attack you. Really, uh, this is in good timing because I saw this person today about uh, like at, at least in the minister's uh, spectrum about like not everybody can rebuke you or correct you or something like that. Caleb, I know I know you saw that tweet. And, uh, yeah. it, it kind of kind of goes hand in hand because a lot of people would take certain things as judgment when maybe it's just accountability, but maybe it's just simply coming from the wrong person. Mm. It, can, it can be perceived as judgment if it doesn't come from a certain person. Um, I mean, mo- most of the time, the, the kind of person that that kind of discussion should come from is uh, your pastor, first and foremost, you know, parents, um, grandparents, stuff like that, um, and, and those kind of people. Uh, so, I mean, sometimes you can say something, maybe it's good intention or something like that, but it can be uh, translated as judgment, and especially gossip. Like we, 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 can, we can talk all day about gossip. You know, gossip is, you know, because you're going behind somebody's back and kind of making preconceived ideas and um, maybe uneducated opinions about them. Um, probably without even knowing all the facts. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a great discussion. And, um, yeah, Caleb, I guess we'll pass it to you for your opening remarks. Um, I think it's just, I think we should start out by defining the word judge, honestly. Um, In the Bible, it's uh, the word krinos in the Hebrew. And it means means (laughs) (laughs) it means to separate, to make a distinction between to exercise judgment upon, to estimate, to assume a central power over, to call to account, that's what we're going to talk about, to judge judiciously, to bring to trial, to be brought to account, to administer government over. So I think when we're talking about what, when we're talking about judgment, we need to, it needs to be in the right context as to what we're talking about. Um, because uh, sometimes the Bible says for us to judge righteously, hmm. okay? judge righteously. So th- a lot of people like to use Matthew 7, 1 as a way to say that we're not supposed to judge and use the word judge as a, that we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to judge at all because yep. judging is a sin, but not necessarily. The Bible gives us right to judge, but I wouldn't call it judge because judge in our day and age is a very strong word. When you say I'm judging that person, it means that yeah. people like to misinterpret you and say that you hate that person. But I think we need to to we have to redefine what judge really means in our society, 100%. because right now judging means that you hate the person. You're scared of them. You have a phobia of them. So that's that's pretty much what that means. So we have to get yeah. the word judgment mm-hmm. in proper context when it comes to Christianity. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. So, so in the context, right? To, to start, um, and I think the I have a few questions here, and we can kind of guide the conversation through this. Um, I, I would say my first question would be: Is the church judgmental? Is or should I say, are church people judgmental? And if they are, why? I think. Uh, Yes, but not in the sense like everybody thinks. I feel like there is a 
there's a difference between the, the word as Caleb described as judgment, um, judging righteously, and just simply gossip. Um, maybe a lot of people just don't know all the facts and they go into start talking about something um, without actually having all the facts. And, you know, the, the thing with church people is we, we have a tendency to link scripture at everything that we agree or disagree with. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, we can take a scripture out of context, which, you know, I, I've been really careful, you know, slinging, slinging scriptures out there, you know, because one, you have to know the context in which it was written. And um, yes, the Bible d does apply to our lives and everything. But um, I feel like because uh, we have something as perfect and, and, and infallible as the word of God to kind of back up different aspects of our life, what people can do is they'll sit back as if they were a judge and use the Bible to kind of make themselves this this judge, you know, and be like, well, the Bible says this, so, you know, and, and after that, what happens? Mm -hmm. They don't, a lot of people want to make that preconceived notion, make that decision and whatever, but they don't really think about the outcome of what they're talking about, and they don't think about the, out the outcome of their actions. Um, so, yes, I would say church people are judgmental, but um, we're going to dive into what judgment actually means, you know. So, stick with it. Caleb, I'll pass it. Um, I personally feel that yes and no. The church can be judgmental when you have a certain standard um, that you adhere to that may not be biblical, may or may not be biblical. Um, I believe that sometimes, yes, the church can be judgmental, but I believe sometimes folks in the church are simply trying to hold you accountable like we as brethren and sisters are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's one of those, it's one of those catch 22 questions where it can be a yes. And if you ask somebody that doesn't go to church, if you ask somebody that, uh, does not believe God at all, they would say yes. If they experienced the worst part of Christianity, you know, the very aggressive part of Christianity, um, very aggressive evangelicals, they will tell you, yes, the church is very judgmental. Oh, yeah. um, but I'm pretty sure if you ask somebody that's in church, um, it's one of those toss-up questions as to, mm, yes, but it depends kind of, kind yeah, of deal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so let's let's push the envelope a little, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to give examples. Um. So I and 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 and, and I'm pushing this to give my in giving my point of view on it. I think the way Caleb said it is perfect. Yes and no. I think it is situational. Um. So here's the thing. I don't. I do think that in the sense that most Christians, at least in America, tend to put on people that are not saved and that are not Christians the burden to live with the standard of morality that Christians have and then judge them based off of that. I think that could come off as judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't hold somebody accountable to something that they're not a part of. I was actually exactly. just about to say, exactly. there's, a, there's a fine line, but a big difference between judgment and accountability. 100%. Fine line, yeah. but, but big difference. And it can, it can easily get blurred. Very easily get, get blurred. Because right. what happens is, 
you see people, you know, we profess our faith in everything. So we profess our love for God. We profess um, that we are a Christian, that we serve God, we follow God. And there's certain there's certain things that the Bible sa says how we should live our life and how we should present ourselves um, be, you know, being ambassadors of God. So whenever we don't live up to those expectations, a lot of people will hold you accountable for that. Now, the yeah. way they present that accountability and the way certain things in that regard can come off as judgmental, like I said, if, if, if it's coming from a certain person or um, maybe if it's coming from uh, like at a certain time or something like that, those things kind of factor into how somebody perceives um, sure. accountability. Because you see, like, there's been, um, I mean, people have probably seen about it in news and stuff like that, but you have like ministers that have um, moral failures in their life. Um, mm -hmm. And everybody's like, well, you know, you should probably step down from your ministry, step down from pastoring or whatever, whatever, um, because of this moral failure. They're not necessarily condemning them to hell. They're just saying that mm -hmm. as somebody who uh, exegetes the gospel, as somebody that is, 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 is looked at as a, as a role model and a pillar, a um, mouthpiece of God, a, a mouthpiece of God, if you're going to make a certain kind of mistake like that, then you should probably step down from that ministry. Not saying you should be excommunicated from the church or whatever, but... Or, or even that you should have to stop that ministry indefinitely. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or forever. Exactly. But yeah. at the moment, chill out, mm -hmm. recover, yep. and come back. Get exactly. the victory and come back, yeah. And some you know. people can view that as judgment. So they're like, well, you know, you can't you can't judge the man because they like to sling out this scripture. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, that's, that's not right. an excuse for you to just go out there and, and make decisions and not be accountable for such decisions. Exactly. You, you should know, never, you never. All adults here and, and just being an adult, you have to be accountable for the decisions you make. Sure. Um, that also goes for Christianity, too. Like and the, I, the scripture doesn't um, cancel that out at all. I wonder, and I, I think maybe when it comes down to the church and judgment, that maybe we aren't being fair to the church all the time. Yeah. And this is what I mean by that, is you, you use the same metric of how you attack the church for judgment for everything else. Exactly. And it's because very discriminatory, too. It's absolutely discriminatory. So in my opinion and in my experience, what I've noted is when most people say you're judging me, it doesn't matter what tone you come to them in. It doesn't matter who comes to them about it. All they are basically when they're saying you're judging me is they're saying I don't no one is allowed to call me out on my wrongdoing. Yeah, yeah. And then to use all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that is often their method of saying, You can't tell me I'm doing wrong because you've done something wrong yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so because of that, what what we end up doing is we if if we follow that line of thinking, everybody does whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. with no whatever. Yeah. No one can say anything to anybody. And so my my second thing though was uh, part of that question was if the church is judgmental, which in some cases it is. Why? Why? What makes us judgmental? Because there are cases that I think all of us have experienced even. A level of judgment 
from the church or from church people. And so my, this is what I believe the number one reason is for judgment. I believe that the number one reason for judgment is a lack of grace teaching. Mm. Yes. So when I say grace teaching, I'm not talking about um, this, you know, a do whatever you want to do, even though according to scripture, you kind of can. But I don't want to touch that too much. Uh, yeah, we got to leave that one alone. <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't mess with anybody too much on that. <laughs> Not tonight. Maybe another line. But, but um, I do hope that makes somebody go study. So, uh, but here's my point is, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that in most, at least charismatic or Pentecostal um apostolic or you know uh even like southern baptist like the the more conservative uh forms of teaching generally speaking we emphasize strongly the necessity of grace for salvation mm -hmm. yep. but and then we just leave it right there yeah we stop and we forget the empowerment of God's grace and we forget the fact that the scriptures also say that grace is there to catch you in case you fall. And so we presented to people in church this idea that when you receive the spirit of God into your life, when you are saved, you are a new creation in your flesh and you're not. So they literally start to believe almost that when you really get saved, you don't want to watch pornography anymore. When you really get saved, I'm just going to go there because this is what they're teaching you. And it's yeah, go ahead. When yeah, you go ahead, really man. get saved, you don't want to go out and have sex anymore. When you really get saved, you're not going to have any leanings towards homosexuality, towards drugs, towards alcohol, or whatever your weird proclivity is. Like, you're that is completely gone. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. and so because they've taught that, right, you have, uh, I think this is, a, this feeds into why many people even judge the church harshly when, when church people make a mistake, is because you presented to them that if you were really saved, that none of this would ever happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. So I think that if we would emphasize the necessary the necessity of a life lived through the grace of God. Yeah. And not just a life saved by the grace of God. That's right. Yeah. That we wouldn't have as much judgment from others when church people make mistakes and our approach in accountability would be more humble. That's right. Yeah. Especially humble, especially that. especially, yes. Because because in those in those more traditional type um sectors um and 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 brother joseph brought up a good point you know uh it, they do a lot of public kind of bashing type yeah. things. you know yes you, you have you know they'll call out they'll call out you know the 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 drag queen or they'll call out the the drunk or something like that but then you know that same person that's calling all those people out has their own mess that they got to deal with but they don't really call out that you know mm -hmm. and, they're they're hitting up the drag queens behind the scene yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Let, let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about it. <laughs> but but it's 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 interesting because they 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 do that and and they almost like Justin said portray that you know almost like you're perfect when you're saved. Like yeah. you, you can't do no wrong. 
you're just this perfect human being that can't make a mistake because for yeah. some reason you don't need to repent because you've been saved. If you were really saved, you were really I ain't gonna go there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard someone earlier today, I heard uh I was listening to an interview, and this man, uh the, this preacher said that uh, another mentor of his had said something to him uh in you know, a short while before he was to pass away, uh, this was actually someone who, or, the person who made the statement was Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts said this to one of his mentees. He said, there are some things that I never had complete victory over. This is Oral Roberts getting ready to die. He says, there are some things I never had complete victory over, but I learned how to manage it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think... And I don't want to go too deep into this. We've got other things to go to. But I think that maybe we have portrayed a false image of deliverance. Yes. Or or maybe an incomplete picture yeah. of deliverance. Definitely. Because we told people that salvation, when you're saved and when you receive Christ and when God is in your life, that basically... Everything you want to do is what God wants you to do. Every, you know, you like your desires and God's desires are one hundred percent aligned. But if that was really the case, then we would never have a Garden of Gethsemane. Facts. If that was the case, there would never be a moment where Jesus said, "Not my will, but Your will." Yeah. Which indicates that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane preparing to give his life for all of us has a completely different desire than what God has. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. So according to the, the, the idea that many church people have about deliverance, about salvation, Jesus would not qualify for deliverance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus needs to be delivered. Jesus needs the devil cast out of him because he does not agree with what God wants at that particular moment. So I think that maybe sometimes deliverance doesn't look like I don't want it or I do. I only want what God wants. Sometimes deliverance doesn't mean I don't want to smoke. Sometimes deliverance for some people looks like nevertheless not my will but thy will. So maybe deliverance looks like sacrifice. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. Maybe like, deliverance doesn't always mean that you're that you don't still like boys or that you don't still like women, but maybe deliverance looks like in spite of that, mm-hmm. in spite of the desire of my flesh, I'm gonna serve God. I'm gonna do what God wants anyway. Because yeah, mm-hmm. and that brings up a good point because I mean I, I remember talking with some friends a while back and and the subject came up, um, it was just kind of an odd subject, but it was like, you know, what do you think God's love language is? And everybody had their own different, mm. you know, um, things. That's a say. good question. And then I remember reading this scripture. And it's, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not coming to my mind right now, but I can kind of give you an overview. Um, I remember reading the scripture where uh, Samuel told Saul that obedience is greater than sacrifice. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So being obedient really is the, 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 you know, the deliverance that you're talking about. That is really where that comes into play is when you have your own desires, you have 
your fleshly desires, of course, but you're going to be obedient to God despite that. Just like, yeah. you, just like you mentioned, the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, that work. I mean, I mean, that works out perfectly because it's, it's really obedience is what God is looking for. Yeah, and I feel like that's the main, um, the main driving force of deliverance, and that's what it's really about. More than like, okay, all this, all your desires are taken away. Like, you don't mm-hmm. desire this no more. You don't. I mean, in some people's cases, that is true, but it takes a sure. process. You know, it takes a process for them to get from wanting something to not wanting something. Especially right. Yeah. If that was something that they really craved um, before, but it's really mm-hmm. just being obedient. And following what the way that God has provided for you, because everybody's Absolutely. process isn't the same. That's right. Perfected in their own timing. That's so right. Being obedient to God and His plan for your specific life is really mm-hmm. where that mm-hmm. comes into play. Now, where some yes. church people go off is they think that people should kind of work probably faster, you know, <laughs> and and especially with like newcomers, they're like, okay, well, when are you gonna stop doing this? When are you gonna stop doing that? And then when they kind of I mean, for lack of a better word, relapse into what they used to want and used to do, then they're just kind of like, well, they weren't really delivered or this or that. And then judgment sets in. Yeah. And then then those people are just like, well, I don't even know if I want to go back to that church or something like that. Because it's like, I can't measure up to that standard of perfection that Mm -hmm. has been Right. Yeah. um, Philip, you hit it on the head. Um, I was teaching earlier this week and um, the, we are the, one of the programs at our church is called celebrate recovery. And, um, it's for anybody that has hurts, habits, or hangups that anybody that has hurts, habits, or hangups, they can come in and, and get the help that they need. And the part that I was teaching earlier this week was that, like Philip said, your, your recovery profit, your recovery process, or in, if we want to do Christian talk, your justification, sanctification process is going to be a lot different from somebody else's. Um, The thing is, is you can make a single, small, really small step, right? But the person next to you makes two gigantic steps. Okay. And the thing that helped that hinders a lot of people's growth in Christ is that they see such and such make two big steps forward and they make a small step. So by them watching that, they, in their mind, they invalidate their, their little small step and like, I didn't do enough. I I, I didn't do enough. Well, such and such is making two big steps. And I told everyone, I was like, you cannot compare your process to somebody else's because somebody, everybody, everybody has every, the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's not going to, some people, they come into the church and, and, and they get it. You know, they start, they start adhering to the Bible and it's easier for them. Some people, they come in with trauma, they come in with baggage and, and it's a lot harder for them to relinquish that. The, it's, it's a lot harder for them to relinquish that control to God. Yeah. So for them, it's going to be a lot slower for that person. It took them a few years to get in, you know, I wouldn't that's a bad term, get in line, but it took them a few years to kind of progress in Christ. But for these people, it's probably going to take them essentially, it's probably going to take them essentially longer, probably seven, eight, nine years. That is why we have the grace of God. Literally, that is why we have the grace of God. Because like Justin said, the grace of God catches you when you fall. It's not a license to sin. But it's there when you sin and you're like, God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And God's like, eh, it's all right. Come on, keep progressing. 
The thing is, God does not require perfection. God requires progress. And a lot of people run that back. God <laughs> does not require <laughs> perfection. God requires progress. I don't people think like, one more time for the Holy Ghost. God requires progress. He does not require perfection. And the thing is, is when we grew up as millennials in the generation before us, we were always taught that you, when you became Christian, and I talked about this in the class, you, when you become a Christian and you get the spirit of God inside of you, you're automatically perfect. That is not how this works. That is not how no. this works. Because there are people who are getting saved. There are people who are getting the, the Holy Ghost. And they are still struggling with the sins in, the, in, the, in Bible terms, the thorn in their side that they've been dealing with ever since they were a little kid. They're still yeah. dealing with the trauma that they had to deal with when their uncle or their auntie decided to impose themselves on them without their consent. They're still dealing with that trauma. Yeah. So the thing is, is, and so the problem that we had for probably the last 15 years is we have people getting saved who do not know how to address their trauma. And they feel like, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm automatically perfect and my trauma goes away. No, because as soon as you walk out that door at church, guess what? Your trauma and the things that have been unattended is sitting right there waiting for you. That's facts. So, that's facts. so let's go here. Let's go here. Since let's, we're let's here. Let's go there. This is, go this is almost turning into a deliverance line. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's what we're um, about. <laughs> wherever you are on the screen, lift your hands. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to hit the let's let's go to something that uh, some great comments that I saw yeah. uh, 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 come up here that Joseph Underwood uh, posted. Um, he says, how um, um, man, uh, let's let's deal with this one because he posted a lot of good ones. But there's specific ones I wanted to touch um, right here. Uh, he says this. He says, management may require therapeutic attention, rehabilitation, and love instead of unnecessary special attention, a.k.a. judgment. There's another one, and this is one right here that I think is really good. Mm -hmm. He says, how many times does the church get people delivered but forget to continue outpatient treatment? Yes. Let's understand when it comes Physical to therapy. When Come on now. To Christ, or even if you are already saved, throughout your life, you are dealing with different things that develop mindsets and habits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just because you've gotten saved or just because you've gotten a demonic spirit cast out of you does not mean that those habits that those memories are not still inside of you, that those mindsets aren't still there, especially if you have been under demonic influence. You need to understand this about demonic influence. Demonic influence mimics the Holy Ghost. Yes, it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Demonic influence mimics the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost comes in and begins to develop you and form a nature in you, right? It begins, essentially, let's break this down to its biggest bit. It will give you suggestions in your spirit for how you ought to and ought not to operate, how you ought to and ought not to think. And it develops within you a new cycle. Mm -hmm. 
You don't think that the devil's going to do the same thing? And so if you are saved now, if you are delivered now, you are going to, you have got to go through not just a process of getting a demon cast out of you, but you've got to go through a process of undevelopment. Mm -hmm. That's that's time. That 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 is time. That is that is self-care or uh, being self-aware. That that is wait a second. What what did I do? And that takes intentionality. But what we often have taught in church is no, 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 come up to this altar call and 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 come here, let me lay you out, pick him back up, lay him out again, pick him back up, throw on him, <laughs> sit in there. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Justin. I'm sorry, but um, I have never seen how that has helped anybody. I don't either. Never! You know Because even if you anoint them with anointing oil, and they're still going out and doing, and they're still going out and wilding. They're just a greasy demon. That that annoying all didn't do nothing. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine when Samuel anointed David to be the next king of Israel. That he was like, mm, eh, nah, I'm good. I'm just gonna sit here with the sheep and live out the rest of my days out here. What about that anointing oil that you were anointed with? Yeah. Does that magically take over you like a puppet or something like that, and then take you where you need to go? No, 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 mm-hmm. no, no, no. Yeah, yes. like yeah. that. And I like yes, what you said, Justin, because ministry is not about church services. Ministry is about those services. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta run back. Gotta run that back. Ministry is not church services. Mm-hmm. It's not. Ministry happens when you're when you're having that one-on-one conversation with people. I, I and like and I, I think I alluded mm-hmm. to. This uh, uh, on one of our past lives, but dialogue will precede deliverance. Yes, if sir. you help people mm-hmm. by by t- just having a conversation, you don't have mm-hmm. to have pulpit. You don't have to talk like you got laryngitis or something like that. You ain't got to do all that. Sometimes you you just you got you can sit down in a living room or something like that on and just a, be with, raw and real with a, with a cup of coffee and literally just have your Bible in your hand and just talk yeah. about. It. Be like, well, the Bible says this. Here's why. Yeah, you yeah. can get through this. You can get over this hurdle that's that's preventing you from living your best life. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. and I, I think that's one thing that the church needs to kind of get over is ministry is not you yeah. preaching in a pulpit. Mm-hmm. It is. It's. It's not. Uh, and here's the thing: it can be because preaching is the declaration of the word of God. Mm-hmm. But the real, but the ministry that really can change and mold somebody in, in their in their progressive walk with God happens outside of a church service setting. You know. Yeah. So I, love, I, I love what you said, Justin, because that was well, going through while you were talking. Well, what you just said about ministry, and I just want to throw this out there, just just because the scripture talks about Jesus going on a fast, right? Yeah. And the Bible says after he had fasted that women ministered to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They didn't preach. Just just they gave him food. Yeah. I think that one of the things, and we got to get back out of here, but one of the, uh, back to back to our, back into our line of questions, but <laughs> we, don't count, we don't went off from this whole judgment uh, thing. Yeah, one this is a whole, things. this is a deliverance live now. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't, we don't move. <laughs> Uh, the spirit took over the service. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Well, what, what we've got to learn how to do is become more practical when it comes down to people's process. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. We have to be very, we have to be very patient. Got to become more practical right. when it comes down to people's processes. Yes. Because what I've realized is we, a lot of time, are effective at gaining recruits to our religion, but we're not as effective at actually helping people. Go ahead, Justin. So, right, so they become to what we do, yeah. right? Because yeah, you yeah. keep coming here and eventually you'll get it and you'll stop. Yeah. Or at least you'll learn how to do it secretly enough so that we don't know that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that we really are developing people to actually transform. Yes. You see, And that, that kind of bothers me because... Then what is our evangelism really all about? Hmm. Is, it, is it really us trying to help people? Man, we are way off. I feel it. Yes. Is it really that we are trying to help people really experience this fullness of life that Jesus talks about in John chapter uh, John chapter ten verse ten? This abundant life. Mm -hmm. Our most church people actually experiencing abundant life. I'd wager to say no. No. Yeah. You are experiencing a club. You're you don't even know God, half of you, because you don't understand how he how he works, how he thinks about you. And maybe another reason, just to circle this back, one of the reasons why church people can be so judgmental is because they think that's how God looks at them. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yes. That, that goes back to that legalistic mindset. Yep. Mm -hmm. Legalistic mindset, thinking that some that somehow God's just sitting there with a gavel, and when you sin, he's like, sentenced to death or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And alluded to earlier, like they, they don't they don't make they don't properly um uh, exegete the grace message. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> honestly, honestly, um I think the reason that is, is because honestly, I, the other day when I was deployed, I was last year, 2019, late 2019, I started looking for graces. I, st I started looking for messages on YouTube on grace. There wasn't any. <laughs> I was trying to find them. I was trying to find messages on grace. And I think the reason why we have such a Churches can be so judgmental because we don't preach on grace. No, we don't. We 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 just we fully understand it. We 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 talk. Yes, Philip, you hit that on the head. We we really don't understand it. I we really I, don't I'll understand it. Further. I think in many cases we're scared of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think some preachers are scared of it because well, you you kind of if you, you start you preaching grace, if they they think in their minds, they think if I start preaching grace then people are going to start doing whatever they want to do. Mm, but you see, that's, that's, and it's just like, no, problem. no, that, that, that's not necessarily the case because me as a minister, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to preach grace because I want somebody to know no matter where you have gone, no matter what you have done, God, God will still forgive you. 
Mm-hmm. Because I, in this, my mind, if, is, I, if I preach grace, go ahead, go ahead. I'm not thinking that, oh, somebody's going to hear me and, and going to go out and start fornicating. Somebody's going to hear me and they're going to go out and start, you know, living the same life they're living before Christ. No, honestly, this just came to me. Honestly, I think grace simply takes the pressure off of you trying to be perfect. That it takes the pressure from performing. I was about to say that. I was about to say performance, that. Performance. It takes off it, of you having to perform like to reality. Life. Like you, grace gives you an, uh, the opportunity to not only be human, but to actually have a deliberate choice because that's what God created yeah. us with the intention of was to give you a choice yeah. whether you want to live right or whether you don't. Either way, grace is there. You don't grace have to pretend. There. You don't have to walk like you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to walk like you're walking the walk, but you actually have to walk that walk. You know, mm-hmm. and it yeah. actually, Caleb, you know, come out your belly. It's got to. Mm-hmm. It got to come out your belly. Yeah. It's got oh. personality. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It can't be a per personality. It has to be who you are to the core. It has to Here, be who you are to the core. Here's what we, we got to move on. <laughs> We I heard Bishop say this, and I'm, I'm getting ready to jump off of this. But he said something, and I know y'all don't like him, but he's got nope. good stuff still. I, I mean, I, I've kind of changed my my position on him. I heard a live; he was on live with a guy I follow um, last week, and I've kind of, I've kind, I heard him speak a little bit, and I'm like, okay, he's not right. crazy as they told us. But in any case, he said something. He said. You're not free from sin until you realize that you are free to sin. Yeah, I heard him say that. Yeah. Wow. Profound. <laughs> profound. That's profound. Profound. Profound statement. Profound statement. So, so let's let let's jump into this. Yeah. Uh, and try to put this back in our last few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Because we just went, we just went, we crazy. just went off. Yeah. But honestly, these are really just branches to the same tree. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it is because let's if you really dive deep into what we're talking about, the whole judgment thing, these are kind of branches that can um, True. spark judgment or yes. they can misconceptions of judgment. So, yes, I mean, yeah. I mean, we went out there with them branches, but. They're, they're, they're branches to the same tree, for sure. Yeah. It's true. For sure, for sure, for and, sure. And, and just to talk to a preacher who's concerned that if I preach grace, they're going to do whatever they want to do. I, I need you to understand something. If that is your fear of preaching grace, first of all, you have that scripture that you always quote every time you talk about grace. You go to Romans 6 and say, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to understand, number one, the reason why Paul had to say that is because of how radical his grace message was. So if your grace message is not so radical that you need that disclaimer, you're not really fully preaching grace. Mm -hmm. It's like when Paul said it's not... Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. It's like when Paul said it is not me that do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. Right. Now, wait a minute. He's saved. He's mm-hmm. received the Holy Spirit and says that sin still dwelleth currently. Yeah. This, this, is, this is Paul we're talking about here. Paul. It's Paul. Him. The he OG of OG. The New Testament. Okay. Paul. So, so let's get that straight. But, but number two, if you have 
the fear that the people you are preaching to are going to do whatever, quote unquote, they want to do. When you preach grace, then you are not properly preaching. I was about to say that. Transformation. You are you not missed it. You are not you missed it. You are not properly exegeting the grace message. Because, because I mean, I use that word a lot, but there's a reason why I use that word. Because yes. exegete means to actually take out and to, to actually delve into the context in which the scripture was written. To, and to charismatics don't like the, to do that. Yeah, to know the audience that it was preached to and to know the purpose of that message. That's why exactly. you exegete a lot. Because it, it that that is exactly why. People need to delve into those things well, because the thing if, if you're scared that people are going to misinterpret what you say, that is your job to help people understand what you what your text is about. So mm -hmm. if you are yeah. scared about that, take some more time to study. I ain't going to condemn you about it. Just take some more no. time to study no, everything and then yeah. represent it to the people. Yeah, yes, sir. I mean, and, and it goes back to it goes back to. Um, and everybody that's watching this, understand that when you read the Bible, you need to exegete the Bible properly, not eisegesis, because eisegesis is now, you break reading. Break that down so everybody doesn't know these terms. So exegete means for you to take, interpret the Bible within context, like Philip was saying, to which audience it was spoken to um, and why it was spoken. Eisegesis simply means to read your own Yourself, understanding yeah. into the Bible. Now, so let's, we, let's, we all let's know something. Because exegesis is to take it in its context. Isogesis means that I isolate. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to take that out. Out of context. Out of context. Right. So I've isolated it and then given it, it's, uh, given it my own interpretation or meaning. Mm -hmm. um, that was not necessarily the original intention of the artist. Exegete, I want you to think about these two words as the roots when you think about these two words. Exegete, excavate, mm -hmm. dig. Yeah. Isogete, isolate, mm -hmm. remove from its context. The overall survey. And a lot of people love to isolate because they like to slang scriptures to fit their mm -hmm. narrative. Yeah. Because they, like they feel like they have to have a scripture for everything. Yeah. And let me tell you, there's not a verse for everything. Yeah, it's just like this whole this whole dumpster fire of an election that we had. You should have seen the amount of out of context scriptures that were getting slain on Facebook by Facebook credentialed ministers. It was yep. ridiculous. It was oh. ridiculous. And and it it took everything, everything what? with me, all <laughs> past and not say anything. Yeah, same here. Same here. It's like, well, the, the thing is with eisegesis, you can do whatever you want. Because like Philip said, I have seen so many apostolics. I've seen so many people who claim to be Christians who take scriptures. They've read conspiracy, these stupid conspiracy theories, baseless. And they take scriptures and they say, well, Donald Trump, because of this scripture, Donald Trump is the anointed. And I'm just like, it took everything within me. Okay, we, we, we got to go on to question two. But I'm just saying, guys. I, eisegesis, no bueno. Exegesis, bueno. We literally, we never got off of the first question. Yeah, we, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we got to go to... Let's see how many we can go through now. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we've got a few. So let, let's try to get through some of these on the topic. I think this, we, let's touch this and jump off of it, I guess. Uh, this question, I think, 
we need to have this discussion. Is is there a place for accountability within Christianity? Absolutely. Yeah. Is there absolutely. a place for accountability? Now, I want to give a scripture that I think um, really deals with this, and that's Matthew uh, chapter seven. Mm-hmm. And and listen to this because Jesus's idea, Jesus's idea about followers mm-hmm. holding others accountable with their own faults is not the same as ours. Mm-hmm. And we often only read half of this section, and that's why we miss the context of what Jesus was saying. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. This is Matthew chapter seven. Or and I. I Actually, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to give the explanation. You can go find it yourself. Matthew chapter 7, the scripture talks about Jesus saying that you're, you're, you are going after someone with the moat in their eye and you have a beam in yours. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, we stop there, but that is not where that section of scripture ends. The next thing he says is, oh, thou hypocrite. Sounds good. Yeah, you're a hypocrite. You got a beam in your eye. He said, first, take the beam out of your eye, and then you can properly judge the person with the most. Yeah. So he's not saying you can't judge them because of your issue. He's saying address your issue so you can properly see the other person. Because a lot of our judgment comes because we are trying to judge you to make ourselves feel better about what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but I think that based off of that scripture, Jesus seems to indicate that there is a place for accountability, even though we all mess up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, that's right. Where, where, where would you be with that, uh, Phil? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, in Proverbs, people like to quote Proverbs where it says, you know, so iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens another man. But you, iron sharpens iron. If you're copper, you can't you sharpen, sharpen iron. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I, I'm going to just leave it at that. But, yeah. <laughs> but so Galatians, so I had this scripture. Galatians 6.1 says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, mm-hmm. you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit. Get this of gentleness yes thank you so you you can't do restoration without accountability exactly absolutely absolutely yeah with a spirit of of gentleness but the rest of the scripture says (laughs) you see a lot of people might cut it off right there but the rest of it says keep watch on yourself lest you too also be tempted tempted. yep yep that scripture for me at personally perfectly embodies the whole accountability thing because yes you can see somebody else make a mistake that doesn't necessarily mean that you're perfect if you help them not make that mistake or if you hold them accountable for their mistake that doesn't make you perfect it just makes and especially if you do it in a spirit of gentleness it will be perceived as accountability instead of judgment right Mm -hmm. what 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 would be you uh where would you stand on that kid um I well, you Philip, you took both of those scriptures out of my out of my notes. Oh um, man! But I will, I will, uh, I will also. I have a third scripture that I had written down, which is Luke seventeen three, and this is out of the ESV, and it says, "Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. 
mm. comma, and if he repents, comma, forgive him. So, can we judge righteously? Yes. But if they repent, we should also forgive them. Mm-hmm. We should also forgive yeah. them. I, I honestly think that as we, as we talked about, there is account, there's a place for accountability in the church. But huge, however, comma there. We need to understand how to approach people when trying to hold them accountive, accountable. Because if, if you approach somebody in an aggressive way, they're going to assume that you're being judgmental. Okay. Yes. By the words that you use and by the, the tone of voice that you use. Okay. Um, because the thing is, is if you are not a, an authority figure in that person's life, they're not going to want to listen to you. So point blank, if you're not their parent, you're not their pastor, you're not their bishop, they're not going to want to listen to you. So instead of, so when you come and you try to dis- discipline them like a parent would or discipline them or, or, or hold them accountable like their bishop or their pastor would, they're going to think you're being judgmental because I saw you doing X, Y, and Z the other day. So now, I honestly think, go ahead, go ahead. I want to push back just a little bit on, on what you said. And nothing wrong with what you said. I just want to push back on the mentality behind that mm-hmm. with people. Because a lot of times we will only accept correction from perceived authority figures because these perceived authority figures don't allow you to see what they don't do right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not so much their authority sometimes as it is your perspective of them the fact that you think that they're perfect has a lot to do with why you respect them. And I think that maybe we should also work on understanding to receive correction from people that are on our level because we're more dedicated to improving than being obedient to authority. Mm -hmm. And and Justin, um, I like what you said there. I personally feel that that starts with us personally uh, cultivating a mind of if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It doesn't matter who tells me that I'm wrong. Absolutely. I had to get out of that mindset that only certain people could tell me that I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, yes. I had to get into yeah. that mindset. Like at work, for instance, I'm in the military. At work, sometimes a person that's that's a rank lower than me may come up and say, hey, you, you left this wrong or you did this wrong or whatever. It doesn't matter what rank they are. I had to get into the mindset. It doesn't matter what rank they are. It doesn't matter who they are. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And once we start cultivating that mindset, we will be able to accept correction from people when people who are concerned about our our well-being, we're able to accept that correction and not immediately get defensive. I also feel like if you can receive rebuke with grace, then grace will abound around you. Exactly. And the church. If you can receive rebuke with grace. Now, I mean, anybody, like you said, Caleb, can call that wrong out. But if you, it's how you receive it that really kind of defines whether it's judgment or whether it's accountability. It's Mm -hmm. how you receive it. Yeah. Yeah. Because people, you know, they, we like to perceive ourselves with status. And so, when you're, say, for instance, you're an older person, right? You're, you're an older person in the faith. Yeah. 
and then a younger person calls you out, you know, it's not a sense of, oh, yeah, I'm wrong. I'm, you know, I need to go make the right. Instead, we, we rise up with this mentality of, who do you think you Rebuke are? Rebuke not an elder. Yeah, don't, don't you rebuke an elder. Yeah. What, who are you? You need to respect your elder. And it's just like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. They're simply just calling you out. Because, yeah, they may be junior to you in, in the spirit realm. Well, I shouldn't say it. They may be junior in, in terms of time spent in Christianity. But if they're right, they're right. Point blank, period. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I, man, I think I don't think we're going to get the rest of these. We're pushing up on an hour. Yeah. Sure. sure yeah. So I want to ask one, one more question. And I think we're going to have to do a part two on this because this is this is this is, deep, deep. This is rich. Yeah, Rich. Yeah, I love it. I want to ask one more question, and I think we'll close with this one. Is it wrong or unloving for someone to hold you accountable to a belief or religion or standard that you said you believe in? Yes, 1,000%. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Is it wrong or unloving, right? So let me give an example. Oh, yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? I want to re re yeah, yeah, revert. Yeah, yeah re 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 say you, that. You, you, you said you're a Christian. You believe in the standard of the Bible. You believe in holiness or you, you know, whatever standard you're talking about. You, uh, you, okay, let's just give an example. So you say, I'm a 100% Bible, paper Bible saved Christian. You know, and 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 so and I don't believe in having sex before marriage. That that is wrong. And then you get caught having sex before marriage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it wrong or unloving for you to be held accountable for that? Is that no? Is that no. wrong? Not because, even because because like I said at the beginning, your profession of your faith and the values that you hold. Every it, the fact that you profess that to everybody around you means that those people can hold you accountable for the same thing that you profess out of your mouth. They're not making it up. They're not being judgmental. It's just saying like, hey, you believe this, right? Like you don't you aren't, aren't you the kind of people that think that mm -hmm. this is wrong, but yet you're doing it. Some people may ask that question and they and, you know, they, however, the, 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 the situation goes from there is, you know, situational. But. Uh, you know, if you profess that, then it, it, I don't think it's unloving or judgment. Mm -hmm. You know, if people hold you accountable for the the faith that you profess. Yeah, yeah, one thousand percent. I it's like I'll give you an example. It's for uh, whenever somebody says I want to lose weight, right, right, and I'm gonna do a live about that personally towards January first. But when somebody says uh, I, <laughs> when somebody says I want to lose weight. And they're like, oh, I need accountability. I'm going to lose these 40 pounds. Boom, 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 boom. And then when somebody catches you eating a donut and they say, I thought you were losing weight. Like, I, 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 thought you were, I thought you were losing weight. You shouldn't be eating a donut. And you're like, well, well, uh, this is my cheat meal. Okay. It's the same thing. James 1.22 says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers of only deceiving your own selves. Yep. So if you profess to be a Christian, 
and you believe all these standards and stuff, do not be surprised when somebody is expecting you to do what you profess that you are wanting to do. And, and not necessarily somebody that is in your faith. Exactly. A lot of, a lot of people be like, you know, uh, what if Jesus was next to you? Would you do this or would you do that? And I sit here and I'm like, Jesus sitting here. But what about people that aren't Christians, you know? Mm-hmm. What about them? Like, what do you think about those people? What if they were next to you and the faith that you profess is you're not holding up? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great point. Great yeah. Point. Yeah. One, I mean, 1,000 percent. It's like when, um, for instance, I've noticed a trend here. Um, you know, the I like to call them Trump worshipers, but the folks who 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 um, worship the man um, that are are running around promoting conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. My question to them is, and this is probably a question that people who are not in our faith, evangelical faith are asking. You're asking me to come to your church. You're asking me to come receive God, receive the Holy Ghost and all of that. And I'm not, you know, and and everything's, my life is going to be a little bit better and everything. But here you are promoting fear based on lies Hmm. how do you expect somebody who doesn't believe in god to come to your church and 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 come to your faith when you have zero faith at all you have none Mm -mm. you don't have faith in god Mm -mm. because if you had faith in god you would understand well if joe biden becomes president well that means that that you know god probably had a plan you know, so it's like no, 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 no. To some Christians, if Joe Biden becomes president, that's the coming of the Lord, Antichrist, doom and gloom, new world order, new <laughs> chip vaccinations, all that foolishness. But yeah, it's here's like, the thing. Yeah, go ahead, Justin. If you really had faith in God, you would always have peace. I need to be right about it. You don't. You the fact that a presidency can disrupt your peace. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm. You don't have faith in God. Don't hurt him. Yeah. Don't hurt him. Just you have faith. faith in the American political version of Christianity. Thank you. That's it right there. Thank you. That as long as your Christian system is in charge, theocracy. Right. Yes, Philip. You're trying to create a new Israel. Mm. And as long as the world seems like you can get by with that, then you're cool. But, you know, it's not, yeah, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, we can go in on that. If you really have faith in God, you can serve God when there's a Nero. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can serve God when there's a Pharaoh. You can, come on. You can serve God when there's a Nebuchadnezzar. Come on now. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Who the king, who the president is. But Americans, you have got to stop bowing down to the orange image and start serving. (laughs) (laughs) My man said orange image. My God. (laughs) The orange calf. The orange calf. Good. <laughs> they, they ain't gonna like that one. <laughs> or, or, or just in general, because I don't want, I don't want them to feel like they're being picked on. The, 
golden calf of politics. Mm, yeah. But like you said, that's a whole nother lie. But my point in bringing politics into this was to say people are watching us. Yeah. When we it, because mm-hmm. it, it goes in, it, it goes in tandem with that last question. Is it wrong or unloving for someone to hold you accountable to professed beliefs? No, you not say you profess. You say oh. I believe God. Okay. Where's your faith during this pandemic? Yeah. Where's your faith during this election cycle? My earphones were dead. Uh, where's your faith during this election cycle? So, so that, that it ties back in. It doesn't matter if it's Christians holding you accountable. People that are not Christians are going to hold you accountable as well, whether it be or just in their minds. So be cognizant of that because your witness, your testimony, people are watching you. Like I told my brother the other day, there's more people that watch my watch what I post than comment and like. Right. Oh, yeah. They're watching. They are watching 1,000%. So when you, when, when you profess something, be ready for somebody to hold you accountable. Absolutely. 100%. And, um, I mean, I think this one has been great. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I think we got to stop right here, honestly. Yeah, man, because we can go. We, got, uh, we have one, two. We got two more questions. So we could do that We'll do that next week. And I'm sure we have more to add. Here's what I want everybody to do. Because first of all, this has been too good for you not to share and like. I, this, is a, this is an incredible conversation. Yeah. yeah. And, and, really, and really, the whole point of these conversations is to help you also have a conversation. Yeah, it's the whole point, like, we're not, we're not here to just say, like, what, what, what we say is gospel and you got to take what we say. No, no, no. What you can do is start that conversation with somebody else, you know? So yes, sure. please like, share, subscribe. <laughs> amongst our, amongst each other, these these difficult conversations that we don't want to. This is this yeah. is what we're trying to facilitate. So please sure. share your perspectives in the comments. Ask questions in the comments that you want answered, that you want us to talk about. Share it, like it. You don't even have to share it, like it. Go go start this conversation with a friend of yours, a close friend of yours. This, we're yeah. trying to create a shift in Christianity. This is what we're trying to. So, yeah. We, we, and so with that, I want everybody to do that. Um, definitely, like like they just said, please uh, send us what you would like us to talk about. Um, we'd be happy to discuss. There's plenty that we can talk about. Trust me. Um, we can go off even in our own little group chat. But we are bringing the group chat <laughs> to you guys. Yeah. Um, basically with a little bit less of the savage. Uh, <laughs> A, a lot. A little bit less of the savagery, but um yeah, we call names, but we're not calling names here. <laughs> yeah, we're not yeah, the group chat the names will get called, but you know, in this chat we'll just say men that you know you, if you have a dream, don't tell the lady that's your wife. But in the group chat we would actually talk about who it is. But in any case, um yep, for real. Like, <laughs> like, uh, share, um, have this conversation with other people, tell them to like and share. Um, and we are going to be back with part two of this conversation. And hey, this is what I want. 
if you are in vehement disagreement with our point of view, absolutely, we want to hear from you too. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. We want to hear from you. Welcome, what you're saying. Say that one more time. We we welcome your point of view. We welcome what you're saying. Absolutely. So with that, God bless. Good night. Have a great weekend. Happy holidays. And we will be back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Please.